It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines, a panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you had a great Christmas weekend. As we move back into Christmas to New Year's, we're talking basketball. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host John Riley. We are here in our San Diego studios coming out of the Christmas weekend. And right there in front of us, John, the topic on the table, Los Angeles Lakers basketball. What do they do as their season unravels? Trade rumors here, there, and everywhere. And Suddenly, storylines seem to be exploding. Happy holiday. This is going to be an interesting couple of weeks for a team whose season looks like it's on a downhill ski slope. Yeah, it's it's a mess up in L.A. And on Christmas morning, we always get to watch the Lakers, right? They always play on Christmas. Had a great NBA uh, day. All we five games last night. So let's let's get into it. You know, with uh, with what what do you think the GM Rob Palinka is going to be doing? Well, the, the Lakers have got a real issue here. Let's talk history for just a minute and and what's happened with Palinka and all that. We'll start with how the Lakers got to where they are. You know, they're thirteen and twenty. They had a two and ten start to the season. Then they played a bunch of the substandard teams in the league and they beat up on them, but now they're on another skid and now they have another injury. You look at Rob Polinka, the guy who is quote the architect of this thing, blame him, blame bad luck, blame bus, the family, the ownership, they seem to have problems virtually everywhere. And I think the biggest problem, John, is that they've traded four number one draft picks and they traded three starters to make deals. The deals have not worked out for a wide variety of reasons, injuries and age more than anything. But they've traded their resources away. And add to that, John, they're capped out. Because of the contracts that they have, they got real significant issues here financially. They have three players, John. 70% of the salary cap goes to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Wow. So they are capped out. They have no future number one picks till 2027 and 2029. That's a long ways away. And you've got your top three players have 250,000 miles on the tires. There's a lot of age there. So they're in just, I, I just think, a world of hurt. And when you look at the roster, they do have three stars. Maybe they got two superstars out of the three. But the rest of the roster, three journeymen at the end of their career, and seven young guys that were street-free agents or they picked up off waivers or been with other clubs hadn't done anything. To me, Rob Polinka has just created a monster of a problem with the team. You know, two years ago, the Lakers tried to do it by renting vets to put next to Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And that brought us Carmelo Anthony, and that brought us Dwight Howard, and that brought us DeAndre Jordan. Didn't work, blew up in their face. Injuries had something to do with it, but those those guys who came on board didn't didn't pan out. So this year, after getting rid of letting all those veterans go, and most of those guys are still unemployed as we sit here turn into January, this year they went into the marketplace and said, Well, let's take a flyer on some young guys. But they've got they've got a roster full of young guys who have not really panned out. So it becomes a big issue. Did anybody really think that that Thomas Bryant would be a starting center and be able to carry you 
against the NBA's best big men? Don't think so. Uh, when you, you look at some of the other young guys on the roster, yeah, they can score in spurts, but they can't play with any continuity and they don't impact games. They are peripheral pieces to the puzzle. That guy was given a contract extension by Jeannie Buss, that owner. Why would you do that after he dismantled this team? So that's a summary capsule of what's happened to the Lakers in the last group of years. And it's to me, John, it's just not a pretty picture in terms of structure of the roster, in terms of future, how do you get better, and in terms of age and injury that they're dealing with almost on an annual basis right now. I threw a lot in your direction on the table. So pick a topic or two off the table and give me your thoughts. Well, I mean, compare how the roster has been constructed now versus the Lakers of the Showtime era of the 80s. You know, they they made that big deal to get Kareem, who still was in the prime of his career when he came over from Milwaukee. But then they had those number one picks and they had Worthy and they had Magic. And then they supplemented them with other players. But they weren't dealing with these superstars that, like you say, had 250,000 miles on the tires. So the model is completely different, and they have no flexibility. So they're in a pickle, for sure. Yeah, they really are. They've, they've had a couple of good seasons. They've gone through three different coaches since Polinka replaced Magic Johnson, who walked out on them after Magic failed, I think, as an executive. They've had three different coaches. Darvin Ham is trying to patchwork this together. Frank Vogel did a good job initially. They had a 52-win season, and then it all fell apart, age and injury, and then Palenka moving parts around. It's just not a good combination. It's odd, though, because I went back and looked. In the last group of years, and everybody's really disappointed in this Lakers or maybe alarmed in this Lakers team, I think the record is 174 and 168, just Mm -hmm. a shade above 500. Now, prior to that, if you go back a group of years into the— mid-2000s, they had a stretch of time under Byron Scott and Mitch Kupchak and Magic Johnson. We were talking about disaster. It was really bad basketball. Kobe was there by himself and everything was falling apart. And then Kobe got hurt. So this, as bad as this is right now, this is nowhere near equal to how bad it was during the Byron Scott era. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they were going 21 and 61, Laker basketball, 21 and 61. So Palenka's got, he's really got his hands full now. There's an avenue out, and we'll talk about different components of this roster. So take it there. Let's go to question number two on our Laker bonus coverage. Okay, so Lee, let's talk about how did we get into this mess? I mean, what led us to this this situation? Well, if you look at the two blockbuster deals that Palenka made, they made the trade for Anthony Davis. Davis was a bright young star, came out of Kentucky. Played really well, but had a series of injuries in New Orleans and was headed towards the end of his contract. And the Pelicans, who were small market, kind of backward operation, decided they couldn't re-sign him, were not going to keep him. So they made that trade uh, with New Orleans. The first big trade they made was with Washington to get Russell Westbrook. And that that's blown up in their face because this is not the Russell Westbrook that used to be in Oklahoma City when he was Mr. Triple-Double. This is an aging guy. He's been in the league 15 years. The Westbrook deal cost them the starter, Kyle Kuzma. It cost them uh, Pope, KCP, 
Contavious Caldwell Pope was playing really good basketball with the Lakers. It cost him their big guy off the bench, Montrezl Harrell, kind of a take-up space physical center, and it cost him a number one. They got an aging Westbrook. It's not panned out. Then they made the mega deal to get Anthony Davis, who was headed towards free agency from the Pelicans. It cost him three number ones, plus the starters they gave up. Lonzo Ball was a starter. Brandon Ingram was a starter who's developed into being a star in New Orleans. Uh, Josh Hart was a first guy off the bench who could fill it up and shoot. Big price to pay for a superstar. And that's what AD is. But AD can't stay on the court. When you give up that many assets for an old guard like Rustbrook and a great young star who keeps getting hurt like AD, it catches up to you. And bingo, it's caught up to them because, like we said at the onset, they don't have a pick till 2027, and they don't have a lot of cap space either. Reaction? Yeah, they put all their, what they say, all their eggs in one basket, right? I mean, they got three big eggs, and when they're laying eggs, they're in trouble. So, um, yeah, there there was such a, 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 a nice roster of a lot of young talent there for a few years, and they've all been jettisoned, and now they've got no uh, chips to deal except for one of those three big guys. Yeah, they traded four number ones, they traded four starters, and obviously two bright young guys in Ingram and Kuzma. And where they are now is 13 and 20 with an older team beset by injuries and no no roadmap to how to fix this roster. Let's talk about the stars. Okay, I mean, LeBron James came to L.A. The fans were excited when he came here a few years ago, but he's like carrying the world on his shoulders. He's age 38. You know, when you, you look at all the things LeBron brings to the team, it's not not just scoring power. 28 points per game at age 38. It's not just assists. It's not just rebounds. There's a bunch of intangible things like leadership, uh, what he does in that room, what he does on the floor, uh, physicality. I mean, he's a tremendous specimen. I don't get involved in the age-old argument. Is he better than Michael Jordan or Larry Bird? (laughs) Who cares? He's a great player. They were all great players in their time and in their era. Uh, You know, but he's, he's just turning 38 uh, he's playing to his career numbers, which are really, really impressive. And I, I just think the big question is, it's a different team. He's not had the people around him in L.A. that he had when he won in Miami. When he won in Miami, he had Dwayne Wade, superstar. He had Chris Bosh, superstar, till the blood clot ended Chris Bosh's career. When he was in Cleveland, he had a big postman, Zagunas Ildraskis, mm-hmm. forever. And then he had a lot of role players, the Danny Ferries of the world, and great bench guys that complimented him. And what he did in Cleveland, and he was there for two tours of duty, was pretty impressive. But this thing has just fallen apart around him. And I'm surprised, you know, he he signed a contract extension. He's going to finish his career here in Los Angeles with the Lakers. Uh, But, you know, he had 11 years in Cleveland, four years in Miami, fifth year right now with the Lakers. But I don't know how they can make it better unless something happens here in the next couple of weeks with the, all the rumors are flying that we're going to talk about about the trade deadline. But what a tremendous, tremendous leader and talent and player. And he's given them everything he can humanly give them and probably beyond that. Yeah, I think yeah he's given it everything. I've always liked him as a person, um, and, you know, as well as being a great player. But you always wonder how much of what Palinka is doing really being you know orchestrated by LeBron. You know, all these trades, all these deals is LeBron really trying to be the puppet master for Palinka? 
Well, that's, that's a real vital point. It was a bit, bit of an intangible because the, the, the finger was pointed at LeBron last year that he wanted his guys around him. And his guys included Westbrook or Carmelo Anthony or Dwight Howard. And we know how that all wound up. So maybe LeBron has backed away. Does Palenka go to him and say, yeah, we're, we're discussing this. What do you think about this player, how he fits? Maybe there is some of that conversation, but I don't think LeBron is pushing the button to say this has to be done because we know that LeBron, as a GM, does a coach, hasn't worked. As a player, <laughs> yeah, Hall of Famer mm-hmm. for certain. But that's not the only storyline amongst the guys on the roster. Yeah. Next guy up. The next guy up is the Brow, A.D., Tremendous talent, tremendous number of injuries, can't stay on the floor. He's had nine different injuries in his career. He's had five different significant injuries with the Lakers over the last couple of years. He's had only one full season. He can't play a whole campaign. I made a list. He is out right now with a fractured foot, stress fracture, they believe, six weeks. He's going to lose probably another 25 games of the schedule. His numbers are just staggering. This year, fractured foot, wrist injury, thumb injury, back issue. This year alone, we're not even halfway through the season. And this is a significant injury. Last year, calf, Achilles, shoulder, finger, and quad. He's just a big guy that gets hurt. Big guy who takes bad falls. Big guy who's a great player, but a big guy who can't stay on the floor. Go back further. He got hurt right in the beginning when he was with the New Orleans Pelicans after coming out of Kentucky. Listen to this laundry list of significant injuries. We're not talking about something nagging that keeps him out on a Tuesday night. We're talking chunks of game that he missed. AD, fractured ankle, concussion, fractured hand, sprained shoulder, sprained knee, groin, sprained finger. All that. He was MIA a lot when he was in New Orleans, especially towards the end. So he's just got a black cloud that's hanging over him. And, uh, you know, the, the this stunning factor is they can't keep him healthy. And when he's not on the floor, they're just, they just cannot compete for any long stretches of time. And in the NBA, John, there's no nights off. There's a travel night between mm-hmm. games. Might be an odd practice. And with the salary cap and when you're capped to the ceiling, it's really hard to make deals. So I'm not blaming Anthony Davis with the demise of Laker basketball, but he's an integral part of why the franchise is where the franchise is and what it's become. You know, it's, it's interesting how some players are very injury prone. You know, maybe it's just the way their body is made up. But a lot of it is the way they play the game. And sometimes they take unnecessary risks. Um, and, I mean, compare it to football. Remember LT, when he was playing, he knew how to kind of scoot out of bounds and avoid the big hit. At the NBA level, I think there's a little bit that can be done at that level so that you aren't taking a ferocious pounding all the time and you can maintain your body to a a better degree than what AD's really able to do. Yeah, but I think the problem is, John, that they play above the rim. And when they go up, they got to come down. And how they coming down? Full force of the 270 pounds. How Mm. they coming down? Weird angles. Foot. Flips. Come down on your foot. 
That's that's how he got the stress fracture of, of, of the foot that he's got right now. Falling to the floor after driving to the basket, getting undercut, going face first onto the floor. That's a big guy going down and all that weight winds up on his shoulder, winds up on his hip, whatever. It just it is just an absolute nightmare. Okay. The third guy in the three musketeers of problems with Laker basketball. Yeah, as Russell Westbrook. We've been talking about him for the last few weeks. Is this guy going to be dealt? What's the plan here? Tell you what, they, I don't understand the mindset of the Lakers organization making that trade for him to get him out of Washington because he had moved around. And at the end of the day, everybody looks at the video. Everybody knows what he's doing now, not what he did five years ago. And it was like the Lakers had the mindset, we're making the Kyle Kuzma trade with Pope and Harrell and the number one pick to get the Westbrook we used to see at Oklahoma City. He's not the same guy. And the statistics bear me out. At Oklahoma City, in his elite years, Mr. Triple-Double, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists per game. Wow. 50% shooting from the floor, 34% from the arc. Now, that's a complete superstar player. No doubt. He had about three or four of those years in a row where he put up all those numbers. And then Oak City got rid of him because he was going to be a free agent and he was going to walk and whatever. With the Lakers, he's gone from 31 points a game to 14 points a game off the bench, could not hold a starting job. Uh, Ten rebounds has gone to seven. Ten assist has gone to six. Used to shoot 50%, shoots 40%. Used to shoot 34 from the arc, is shooting 28% from the three-point line. He's just not the player he used to be five years ago when you and I watched him and he dazzled us being Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Triple-Double, and yet they gave up all that to get this guy. And I don't, I don't understand Palenka. I don't understand the assistant, Kurt Rambis. Why would you do that? Because these guys age and their productivity starts to change. And you're trading for a guy that's not what he used to be at Oak City. Well, there there was, a, you know, the time in between Oklahoma City and the Lakers, um, his performance and numbers were declining then as well. So they could see this coming. So, yeah, it's just a, a, a horrible gaffe to deal so many players, so much of your, your you know, bench depth, really the, your guys that you have to count on for the next rest of the decade. And now they're gone and the Lakers are, are there in the, up the river. Now, I'll give, I'll give Westbrook a little bit of credit. Darvin Han, the new coach, came in and said, you're coming off the bench. And the media made a big hullabaloo of he's not going to like that. How is he going to adjust, etc. I give him credit because he's played hard. He's averaging about 14 a game right now off the bench. So there is some firepower. He has some nights where he hits threes and hits his outside jumpers. But he also has the nights, John, where he goes one for 11 shooting. (laughs) Not the same dude. (laughs) That's for certain. I'm not blaming Westbrook completely, but he's not what he used to be, even though I think he believes he still is. The stats don't bear it out. Okay, now we get to tonight. Let's talk about the reports because there were rumors everywhere. There's a trade coming. And there's all kinds of potential deals out there. You got clubs that are going nowhere, want to move contracts of guys they're going to lose. Or you got clubs that think, I'll deal this guy, I'll get multiple picks, we'll have big insurance policy ways to acquire guys in the coming years if we can make these deals. The first trade is the one that really I like. 6'9", Baj Bogdanovich of the Detroit Pistons is averaging 19 points per game. 
got an affordable contract at 19 million a year, becomes a free agent from now, but he's a year from now, he's a stroker. He'll stand out there and he'll hit threes. He'll put it on the floor. He'll take it to the basket. Is he a complete player? No, but he gives them what they don't have, which is firepower out on the edge. Detroit, they've been losing forever. So getting rid of a 19-point-a-game guy, because they've got a lot of really young players, uh, number one picks that they're force-feeding, they're playing, and, but they're not having a good season. But two years from now, they, they might be pretty good. That's interesting. Indiana's been out there for an extended period of time. Now, this would be a contract dump. Westbrook and two number ones that you own for Buddy Heald, three-point shooter, who's a pretty good player, and Miles Turner. Now, that deal seems to have fallen apart. Uh, Turner is playing really well for Indiana. I get the sense that they're going to hold him, that they would still shop Heald. So maybe, maybe it's a number one and Westbrook to get Buddy. The third deal uh, is is... Chicago's just had a disastrous season. Uh, everybody thought this would be the real breakthrough year for a bunch of young guys. DeMar DeRozan's available, and that's a pretty good veteran player. And that guy's a stroker and a shooter, and the guy drives to the basket. He makes a lot of things happen. They'd have to take Westbrook, and they'd have to give up at least a number one. Maybe the deal gets expanded and other guys get thrown into it, although I don't know that the Lakers want to take on tons of more salary. Uh, DeRozan's a pretty good player. So your reaction, those are the three hottest names that are out there. What do you like about those guys? I mean, I, I remember Buddy Heald in college was just lighting it up for the University of Oklahoma. Terrific young player. I, I see these other names, and... You know, honestly, I'm just thinking they'd be great if the Lakers were able to unload Westbrook. But do the Pistons really want Westbrook? I mean, what what does he bring to the table for them other than, you know, is it a financial deal that they get Westbrook for a few years and they clear cap space? I don't understand it. Well, here's here's the ideology. Westbrook has got a 47 million contract right now. He's the highest paid Laker. Doesn't even start. Detroit takes what's left of that contract on at the end of the year. He's gone. They're not getting him to be a superstar in Detroit. They're still going to finish in last place. He's gone. Detroit gets $47 million cap space for free agency to mm. go add significant veteran to put around the young kids that they've drafted. That's, that's why some of these clubs would make this deal. Uh, uh, I like the Bogdanovich part of this equation because I think he brings things that they desperately need. Now, that's not the only trade. Let's go to the second set of deals that are out there. Uh, and this has just all happened in the last couple of nights. San Antonio is in a massive rebuild. Uh, they got a very, very young basketball team. They're shopping Josh Richardson, who's a wing player who can shoot threes. He's kind of bounced around the league. I don't think his career's turned out to be what it, everybody thought it would be. They got the post player, Jacob Pualte. They're shopping him to those two guys who would come in the same transaction. San Antonio's got loads of cap space. They take on Westbrook, and then they get $47 million more uh, when free agency comes next summer, and they'd get a draft pick or two draft picks, whatever. This one has just come out of nowhere. Kyle Kuzma, the ex-Laker who's in Washington, playing okay, has never quite been the superstar that, or, or the star that we all thought he would be, but he's playing okay. They liked him here. He played pretty well here. He can opt out at the end of the season, and I think he is going to opt out. He's playing in Washington, which had a 10 or 11 game losing streak mm -hmm. recently. Might he be traded from Washington back to the Lakers? And maybe you get him at a decent price. Maybe you send Westbrook back there, 
Washington gets $47 million cap space. We rent Kuzma, and then you can re-sign Kuzma as one of your in-house free agents. And the Knickerbockers, although they're playing really well, they got a swingman, a guard, and a forward in Cam Reddish who can't get on the floor because they got so many young players that they're playing ahead of them. They might shop him, and they might trade him. I don't think they'd shop him for Westbrook, unless the Knicks are of the opinion, hey, we want $47 million in cap space, so we'll move him, take Westbrook back. I don't know if any of those deals appeal to you. The Kuzma one, to me, is kind of intriguing, but are you going to trade another number one to get Kuzma back after you traded Kuzma and a number one in the original Westbrook deal? That, that to me, is bad business. Go ahead. I mean, that seems like you'd be admitting a mistake, and I don't think they want to do that. Um, you know, it's just interesting how some of these teams, like the Wizards, um, you know, they have just been in the doldrums for, for so long. I mean, they're like the Detroit Lions of the NBA. Yeah. Um, but I do see the Wizards there, and the one name that I would love, if they were able to work a deal, is to get Jordan Shackle, you know, who's, who's playing on the G League for the Wizards. Imagine him coming back to Southern California in the deal. That would make it kind of fun. But as far as the Lakers concerned, I mean, any of these deals sound like a good you know, pathway out of this mess. Okay, I'm going to give you a multiple choice exam. So you think about this and you give me the answer. The Lakers situation, are they trying to save the season or are they trying to build for the future? You can save the season, maybe. You get yourself into the playoffs if you make one of those deals to get one of those veteran established guys. Or you're better set... Instead of trading away Westbrook and trading away two number ones to save the season, are you better served to build the future? Keep the number ones, get the 47 million cap space, and then just hope you get AD back and LeBron back and you can finish the season in some type of upswing. So what do you want to do? Are you trying to save the season or do you think they should really build for the future, swallow it, keep the cap space and keep the number one picks? And John Riley says the season is toast. It's <laughs> there's no point in saving the season. Um, so, yeah, they have to plan for the future. You know, you've been you've been an advocate of keeping Westbrook, keeping those number ones and hoping you can build from there. Um, but. You know, again, a lot of the a lot of this is sort of 4D chess that these guys are playing, trying to satisfy the fans today so they still get ticket sales and they keep the fans somewhat happy um, and still planning for the future. But I, in my opinion, you've got to think long term. And long term is give me my 47 million cap space and let me go to free agency next July and see if there's a third component using Westbrook's money. And the number one picks are so far down road, 27 and 29. Who knows who will be playing where and what what their status will be. I would just as soon keep the picks. you know. And if you develop young players, you could always use a young player and a pick in a trade this summer to go get somebody else that might be a better fit. Um, Sorry, I just don't trust Palenka. I just don't see the blueprint. I don't understand what he's done in the past, why why he broke up a bunch of good young guys that were playing together, and then why he's made uh, the trades at the prices that he's paid, and now look where they are. 13 but maybe and it's LeBron. Maybe LeBron is trying to put, pull some strings. 
So as a superstar, LeBron's not a very good general manager. Yeah, I think that's usually how it works out. <laughs> okay, hope you've enjoyed our bonus coverage covering Laker basketball. You know, we're back on Thursday with our regular podcast. We invite you uh, to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube uh, and on my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, so you'll get the alerts every time that we put a new podcast up. We'll be back on Thursday. John? It's going to be an interesting week if it happens this week or an interesting 2023 because something is going to happen around the NBA. Yeah, well, happy holidays to you, Lee. I hope all's going well with your family. Happy holidays to you. We'll see you on Thursday with our podcast. Thanks again for being with us. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.